everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the lead pastor here, Bethany North. We are in the second of a short but powerful sermon series on Sabbath. It's called Rhythm. If you pulled, uh, got a bulletin, you saw it's on build, uh, your bulletin, uh, Rhythms of Rest and Work. And today I'll be talking about what Jesus has to say about Sabbath and sharing some stories from our community. Because ultimately, more than even what Sabbath is, we want to be learning how we as people of God in every stage can be entering into the rest that God has for us. So our scripture comes from a couple places. First from Psalm. Uh, This is from Psalm 92. It's a psalm. It's a song for the Sabbath day. Many of the psalms were written for Sabbath day. It is good to praise the Lord, to make music to your name, O Most High proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. To the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound your thoughts. Senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all the evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, you are forever exalted. And then from Mark... In the life of Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 23. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some of the heads of grain. The Pharisees said, look, why are you doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? And then Jesus answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave to his companions. And then Jesus said this, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Would you pray with me now? Jesus, thank you so much for a moment to stop and pause and consider what your word has to say to us as your people. Lord, teach us about Sabbath, teach us about rest. Teach us how to enter in to this worship that makes a space for more of you, God, and less of our our busyness or our chores or our schedule. God, we know there are many, many obstacles for us to rest, and each of us has our own in every season of life. We sometimes kind of envy somebody at a different season of life, and we imagine that it might be simpler than to rest, but God, you know that that's actually an idol. So break us of our idols and make us curious, God, Invite us to consider how, by ceasing from work, we can make more space for worship. We love you, Lord. Teach us now. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Our message today is entitled, How, uh, or sorry, it's called Sabbath Works. See what I'm doing there? Sabbath Works, How Sabbath Rest Can Impact Us. Sabbath Works. We're talking about rhythm. And how making space to rest can actually increase our capacity to be human. God can actually make us more of himself when we rest. We have a, we have a freedom to enter into that. We have a free pass. I have a great story about a free pass. It was April of 2019. We were downtown Seattle as a family. And there's a bunch, it was like a really cool coffee shop we'd never been to. Somebody's like, it's one of those coffee shops you have to check out. So we go, 
and there's a bunch of like young hipsters in front of us and uh, young hipster Christians. You can kind of tell with like the tattoos and the gear and, uh, and then they were, a lot of them were wearing Bethel Church vibe and then victory tour stuff. And I'm kind of like putting all this together and they're chatting and kind of like they're new to the city. And um, I started to connect with them. Hey, where are you from? Oh, we're from, you know. California. We're in the band for Bethel's worship band. We're doing a national tour. It's the victory tour. I'm like, oh, no way. That's incredible. And they said, you should come. Like, we've got, we've got a free pass. Do you, and my kids were there. We're like, do you want to come and, and be at the, at the show tomorrow night? We're like, that'd be awesome. I mean, free pass? Who can pass that up, right? So uh, they gave us these, you know, they said, you got to get there early, pick up the free pass, and then, you know, it's a backstage pass. You can kind of do all the things and, and just, you know, come to, uh, I think it was at the Opera House or whatever at Seattle Center. It's like, that sounds great. So um, the, my day worked out that midday I was already in the city. So I was like, okay, Heather, I'll, I'll go get our free passes. You bring the kids down. I'll probably just work down there, and then we'll go to the show together. She's like, that sounds great, you know, and we're all super excited. And I got to the venue at, say, like 2 o'clock, and, and there's already people in line because it turns out before the show, there's this meet and greet. You get to meet the artists. And when they gave me a pass, like, you, you have a free pass. You're, you're here on our invite. Like, it's all open to you. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I took the free pass. Like, but I'm going to go, like, to another spot and, like, do email for, like, another couple hours or whatever felt, like, important at the time. And then it, like, dawned to me. I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to, like, I, I'll work later. I, I want to. I want to, like, do the experience. Like, you know, and I'm, like, imagining myself, like, okay, backstage pass, do you need me actually to sing, like, backup in the band? Or, like, are we hanging with the art? It's like, no, it's not, it's not that level of free pass, Scott. You're dreaming a little bit. But you're our guest and, like, walk everywhere and do everything, come in and out. And it was incredible. And, and a few hours later, my kids showed up. And, you know, there was a couple openers. Maybe some of you were there. What it set up that night was an incredible night of worship for our family as we sat, you know, kind of front row to this. I mean, we were back a bit, but just right in the middle, it felt like, oh, wow, we are like able to take part in an incredible worship experience. And all of it came as a gift. And, and that, that desire to use the gift in order to worship is some of what Jesus is talking about in Mark 2. That he talks about Sabbath as this incredible opportunity to enter into a life of worship and a life of living our priorities. And it's a gift that we get to enter into. And Jesus wants to unshackle the invitation from guilt, from responsibility, from religiosity, from like, you know, like, you know, there's so many restrictions in, this, in Jewish faith around Sabbath. Like I was reading this morning, actually, that it's actually, depending how strict you are, some won't flush the toilet on Sabbath because that's even a violation. And, and this becomes a burden that later, like Jesus would say, why do you shackle like a noose around my children's neck? Our faith is meant to set us free. And in this regard, Sabbath is this incredible gift that when we as God's people learn to rest, it will create more worship. And that's what I want to unpack in our, in our brief time together. And it's an invitation. And um, if I said anything last week, or, or for those of you that, you know, kind of are following along with us, like, you know, 
Sabbath feels too difficult for me, feels too restrictive, or I understand as a theory, but it's really difficult to practice. I want to say a couple things. One, you're not alone, because most people in this room said that same thing. If you feel like you've learned about Sabbath before, but Sabbath practice feels really far or difficult, you're not alone, because many, many people in this room are experiencing that same thing. But I also want to challenge you, because if you're somebody that's like, I don't have a regular time of Sabbath in my life, you might be missing this free pass. That God's like, no, I I know how much yard work you have to do, and and I know you want to get the Christmas lights up before, like, the next rainstorm, and I know the kids have so many games this weekend, and every weekend. God's like, I know all that. But if you can practice this purposeful pause called Sabbath, it's a free pass to the life to which I've called you. One of freedom and rest and anxiety, free living. God's like, I've, I've created it for you. But it's not, a, it's not a guilt trip. I'm not holding back any gifts. I'm just setting it before you. And this is difficult, actually, to prep this message. Like, even this week in Seattle, like, we open, you know, the paper or open our, our web browsers and, you know, Amazon, you know, 5,700 jobs and Facebook and you know, round of layoffs already completed at Microsoft, and there's always that tension at Boeing. And some of your lives, even this week, maybe have been impacted, or people were going to sell a house or buy a house, and interest rates, and all the, all the real things of the world. And we have the audacity to get up here and talk about Sabbath. Like, it's a little disconnected from your everyday experience, right? I'm telling you that God is working on my life as your shepherd, that we might be missing an opportunity a free pass, if, if you would, to order our lives around really hard work for the kingdom of God and really purposeful rest in order to be restored. And to me, it's really good news. So I want to share some of that good news with you. And I want to share this big idea that we're going to hit a couple times today, that we work from rest and Sabbath works for us and for our flourishing. So we work from rest, not for rest. And Sabbath works for us. It's a gift from Jesus to an order more worship of him. And it enables more flourishing. And again, if I say anything today that sounds like works righteousness, or you feel like God will love you a little bit more if you take a nap today, I'm not communicating clearly. You have a free pass to the Father's love. That's really what it's about, right? Moving into the Father's love. So the thing I want to start with here, and it's in your bulletin. Those of you online, thanks for joining us. We love you. We're glad you're with us, even remote. The first thing in our outline today is that Jesus wants to be our Lord and not just our Savior. This comes from Mark 2. Jesus wants to be our Lord and not just our Savior. And Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. That's what's happening there in Mark 2. Jesus is walking in the grain fields. They're hungry because they're out saving the world. And he gives permission to his followers to actually pick some of the wheat and to eat and to meet their needs. The Pharisees push back, and Jesus explains to them from the life of David when he was on the run, and they actually ate the consecrated bread. Now, Jesus wants to be our Lord and not just our Savior. He's both our Savior 
and he's our Lord. Both those words carry a ton of meaning here. But first, what's happening in this Mark 2 passage and why is it so important? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the three synoptic gospels, this story is included that Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. So when we see that repetition across the three synoptic gospels, we're meant to say that all three of the synoptic writers thought this was a really big deal for being a Jesus follower. And what Jesus is unpacking here is this whole, you know, the Jewish faith, which had put such a burden on entering into Sabbath rest, that God had given in creation in order to enter into presence with God. But it had become something totally different than that. It had become a time of legalism. And if your faith is marked more by legalism and rules and judgment and cannot and should not, you need a fresh experience with the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh experience with the Father's heart. Because when we make all of God's divine love into a rule book, we've missed it somehow. The rules are guideposts to lead us into intimacy with God, but we've missed it somehow. Remember, I said it last week that when Sabbath was created, it was the seventh day of creation, but humans were created on day six. So our very first act as created beings was to enter Sabbath rest. We weren't created, and then God's like, six more days for you, and then you get to join me next week on my Sabbath. No. God's like, hey, it's a Sabbath day. I've made it for your enjoyment. I've made it for your intimacy. I've made it so that you will know from the very beginning that you will have a predisposition to earn every bit of my love, but the very first act of my creation that humans you're invited into, this day seven living, is to rest. And we know that. We've heard that. We've said it. But we don't want to live it. I mean, you don't, right? Because I live the godly life as the man with the microphone. I'm saying we don't. We struggle with this. And we want to live in such a way that doesn't really know how to rest into the goodness of what God has created for us. And Jesus is saying, I, I don't just want to be your savior. I want to be your Lord. I'm the Lord even of the Sabbath. Savior, we are saved by grace alone. We are saved by God's salvific work on the cross and then his resurrection and ascension to heaven. So when we call upon the name of God, God, save me from my sin. Save me from my brokenness. That's salvation. And the Bible says that every one of us will make our own salvation story. Every one of us is invited to come before the Lord to kneel and say, God, I am a sinner in need of your grace. Save me. That's salvation. And that's sealed. And you're marked for eternity. And it's, it's a finished work. And then we are invited to follow Jesus. And that's the real invitation in Sabbath. Okay, you've made me your savior. But do you make me your Lord? Do you make me the one that you submit your time to? Do you submit your money to? Do you submit your sexual choices? Do you, do you submit your justice choices? Do you submit your cares and concerns? Are you giving over the nature of your flesh that it's perishing over to being justified? Not by our, you know, we've already been justified, but this lordship, this kingship that we're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. 
There's Paul saying we're being transformed from glory to glory to glory as Jesus said, come and follow me. Follow me. So when Jesus is walking in the Sabbath, he's like, you have this free pass. Don't don't make my love something that you have to earn. I'm not going to love you any less if you don't take a Sabbath day. But you might be missing the lordship that I want to lord over you. Because when you cease from working, now you're proving that you really trust me. He doesn't just want to be our savior. Jesus wants to be our Lord. And when we rest, we are leaning into the lordship of Christ to say tomorrow, those emails, that earning of my net worth, that work of the kingdom, that justice, all those things are so important, but I'm going to need to be rested in order to enter in. So why we Sabbath is really important, but one of the things I really want you to hear from me today is how we Sabbath. And I reached out to some people in our community that are Sabbath practicers. I reached out to men and women. I only heard back from women. I invited in the e-news, some of you, if you get our e-news, I invited people, hey, send me an email this week. And as of Friday afternoon, it was kind of crickets. And I don't know, men, it's not a word of judgment, but maybe it's, a, maybe it's hard for us to like, Maybe, we're, we're pra- maybe some of you are practicing Sabbath, but just wanted to kind of keep those practices a little more quiet. I do think that some of our women leaders among us know the goodness of Sabbath and talk about it a little bit more. So I reached out to some friends from the church that talked about Sabbath, and I'm just going to share a few stories today. My friend Leslie, uh, who owns a, 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 her own business, business, I asked her, what does Sabbath mean for you? And she says, it's an intentional time to rest and engage restorative practices. I said, well, what's your ritual? What's your routine? She says, my Sabbath is usually Sunday, but sometimes it's another 24-hour period on the weekend where I'm intentional about rest. I take time to cook breakfast, so I'm not eating the same stuff I eat the other six days. This makes it feel special. And then I go to church, or, and I have lunch or coffee after with a friend, or I walk, or I engage in a hobby. She's a quilter. I read, I journal, I engage spiritual disciplines. She, she says it's a time to be restored. And then I asked her, I was like, when did you really start practicing your Sabbath routine? She said, I first started all the way back my second semester of senior year of college. I had burned out and I had a full course load. I was studying for my CPA and my student leadership advisor recommended I begin the practice of Sabbath, even though my life was so busy. And I really engaged in rest on Sundays for the remainder of that semester And that sustained me through the most challenging semester of college. But then when I transitioned to the working world, Sabbath became a 24-hour period that I didn't work and not feeling guilty about not working. But over time, I allowed other life activities to slip into that time. Ministry, meal prep, errands, projects. But in 2017, I started listening to a podcaster who regularly referenced practicing Sabbath. And after listening to that and reading a, a book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry in 2019, my Sabbath practice shifted back again to be more intentional about engaging in rest and restorative activities rather than viewing Sabbath as a day to not work, but to work on my life. So then I asked her, what's your encouragement to those who say Sabbath's too hard in this season? And she writes, I found freedom in thinking of Sabbath as a practice, just like practicing an instrument or sport. There's an expectation in practice that you'll make mistakes and learn from them so that next time you come to practice, you can improve. If you set an intention to practice Sabbath next week and it falls short of your expectations, you've got another chance to practice again a week later. Over time, you learn how to better fit it into your rhythms as Sabbath also requires intentionality in how you structure the rest of your week. 
and you'll discover what activities are restful and restorative for you in different seasons. Don't cease to try practicing Sabbath because you don't think you can establish a 24-hour time of rest in the week. Start with a shorter time period that feels more achievable and know that God will honor the intention you have in entering into his rest. This is so, so important for us to recognize that we need the restoration or else we're gonna burn out. Like, what's your life saying to you right now? Like, do you, are you getting the rest you need? Do you have space to be present to your family, to your friends, to worship, to be restored? Jesus wants to be your savior. He wants to also be your Lord. When Heather and I were living in California, I drove this old Ford pickup truck, and one night I met friends in Hollywood. We went to Sunset Strip, and we were, you know, I'm driving this big, like, 1994 pickup down Sunset Strip, and it's like, hey, I felt like the redneck from, from the hills. We lived in Los Angeles County, and we had a really good time, and that night I drove home, and as I drove home back uh, to the little town that we lived up above Los Angeles, the light came on in the truck. And it was, you know, like the engine block light. It was like, oh, I've seen this before. Not really a, a concern. It's sometimes the gas cap if it wasn't tightened all the way. And I'm kind of making excuses. I thought I could stop and pay attention, open the hood, get under the car, see what's going on. And I was like, it's fine. It's just a warning light. I pull into my house, park the car, and I look under the car, and it's actually like puking oil under it. I had blown a head gasket and the engine was fried. I needed an entire engine rebuild. It was thousands of dollars and weeks of my life. And then I thought, oh, I should have paid attention to the warning signs. So there are warning signs in our life. There are things that are our spirit that God is speaking to us in. You're going really hard right now. Pay attention to that relationship. Pay pay attention to that health concern. Pay attention to how I'm whispering to you, how when Scott's speaking or the scriptures are speaking, I'm inviting rest. Jesus as our Lord, not just our Savior. The second thing that kind of makes me think is um, from Psalm 46, this be still and know. And my friend Leif shared this verse with me in the last week, and it really impacted me as I was praying over Psalm 46. Be still and know that in stillness, we're invited to know God's goodness. Psalm 46 reads, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. It's the stillness that allows the knowledge. It's the ceasing that allows the really... Uh, entering in. I said this earlier, I'll say it again. We are called, friends, to work from rest. Sabbath works for us and for our flourishing. And this kind of like working from and not for is really a word of correction to me because I'm a list maker and I'm a really hard worker. I was raised by a Norwegian family that said, if you don't get up before dawn, you're not really trying. And we would work in the summer at a fishing resort, and we would work 100 days straight. We would work 18 to 20 hours a day. There were not vacation days. There were not off days. There were not sick days. And we learned to kind of tamp down our own needs for the sake of the job, and we just went. There were sometimes you'd sleep three or four hours a night, and, you'd, and you can go like that for a while. But I know in my own life, you start to almost feel like a robot when you never stop. And for a lot of us, myself included, we think we'll work for rest. So when the work's all done, man, that vacation in the spring was going to be amazing. But that's not what Sabbath is. God's like, I'm actually more concerned, not with your vacation planning, but your weekly rhythms. 
Do you have space to work from a position of proximity to the heart of God? You're not, you're not working for anything. Remember, saved by grace alone. It's all a free gift. But Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior, he's saying, as you're still and you know me, you're entering from this place of working from rest, not for it. One of the stories that uh, is oft repeated in circles that I'm running now, but in response to how to really grow in your faith in the 21st century, one of the great theologians of the last century, Dallas Willard, gave this advice on how to really grow in your faith. Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And for most of us in the church, we're as guilty as any that we work for rest, not from rest. There's uh, a recent study on the number of vocations where resting is the most difficult. It's medical field, some of you are in it, legal field, and the ministry field, which is a really strong um, word of condemnation, I think, for some of us in ministry, that we should be leading out. And in this regard, I want to invite us all. We should be living in such a way that our lifestyle models our proclamation, that we'd be people living our values. Mark Buchanan says this, most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness, but they grow in rest. They grow in rest. So how do we do that? Again, how feels important on this, on this week. And one of the authors I follow, Pete Scazzaro, who's written the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship and Emotionally Healthy you know, kind of coursework, but I highly recommend Emotionally Healthy Discipleship for any of you. But he talks about Sabbath, and uh, he says, how do we Sabbath? He gives these four words. We stop, we rest, we delight, and we contemplate. We stop from a work, even if it's for three hours or five or 24. We rest, take a nap, go for a walk, be present, play a game, shoot baskets. We delight. All of a sudden, without staring at our phone or our screens, we think, oh my gosh, did you see the sunset last night? Do you see the colors on that tree? Our capacity to delight now grows because we are resting. And then finally, all of this as believers in God allows us, compels us to contemplate the Father's heart. He did all this. He made all this. The kind of discipleship conversations that happen in our homes when we have space to be present to one another. And I want to say, church, I I really believe that if we prayed the power that Jesus told us to pray with, and if we rested in this be still and know that God has invited us, I believe it would be the great evangelism tool to our culture, along with justice. Like, people want to see the church. Do you live your values, and does it make a difference in your life? you're going to be the missionaries more than me because it's people in your workplaces who are looking at you or in your school bus stops or in your, you know, retirement community or in all the different phases of life. Do they live their values? Are these people people of rest that know how to really engage the heart of God? Because they're looking at your life to say, does it work? Does Sabbath work? Does your faith work? So we work and we rest in order to give worship to God. Another story that came in this week was from one of the busiest families that I know, the Lynn family, that is in that medical field that's one of the busiest. Sports, three kids, 
one of uh, Vanessa said to me last week, like, oh, you know, the Lens have an incredible Sabbath practice. You should reach out to them. And I appreciate you letting me know that. And um, their Sabbath rhythms have created, like, a really transformed family culture. So I asked them, what's their secret? And they said, well, Sabbath for us just means a day of less work, of a rebooting spirit, mind and body, taking more time to focus on God and gain spiritual strength for the week ahead. When the kids were young, they write, I think our son was in kindergarten. I think our other son was in preschool, and I think our daughter was a toddler. So I want you to hear they started young. We would meet on Sunday nights around the table or in someone's bedroom or in the living room by the fire or on a warm summer night on the deck, and we would ask just a few questions, and we would listen, and we would pray. The questions were, what are you thankful for this week? What would you like to pray for this week? It was simple. It was beautiful. Enlightening conversations would develop. We started focusing on fruits of the Spirit, and which fruit of the Spirit did we feel we exhibited that week? How were we the aroma of Christ for others? How did we see the aroma of Christ in others? Sometimes we would memorize a verse. Sometimes we would read a devotional. You can hear a lot of experimenting here. And when the children were younger, our family prayer time would last just maybe 20 minutes. But 15 years later, it's hard to stop our precious time with each other, with God as the center of our conversation. Two of those kids are in college, and they continued this tradition on via Zoom on Sunday nights. Now, I share testimonies. We're supposed to be people saved by the blood of the Lamb and from our testimonies, Revelation says. Testimonies are meant to not bring shame or like those of you that are nudging, if you're here with a partner, like, I told you we should be doing Sunday night, prayer night. Like, has anyone gotten a nudge yet? No. This isn't meant to be like that. This is invitation. This is free pass. I just want you to know that some of you among us have been people of Sabbath And you know the secret, it's a game changer. We're working from a place of rest, not for it. And it's one of the most transformative things that some of you are saying is part of your spiritual life. I think for some of us, we go to certain, okay, I read my Bible every day. We pray with our kids or we do a mission trip. Like we do certain spiritual things and we neglect others. And in the life of faith, with God as our Savior and our Lord, we're invited in to be people of rest. And uh, there's an invitation there. I remember as a, as a young father, traveling was obviously more difficult than being home. And there was, you know, one, tr- one trip, four kids, two car seats. I look like a Sherpa across SeaTac Airport, all the bags. And I'm like that, like, crabby traveler. So it's like, come on, you know, and like security, I'm that guy that's like in a massive hurry and just like, I'm kind of hard to travel with. And I... We get on the plane and everyone's situated and everyone's whatever. And then, you know, the, the airline attendant is like, hey, you know, if there's a disaster and she's speaking to parents, that mass falls down. What do they tell you? Put it on yourself first. And I was like, there's no way if a, uh, there's no way if, if there's a disaster where a mass falls, I'm going to put it on myself before my wife, before my kids. That's impossible. But then it kind of hit me, and Heather and I processed it later. If you don't have a breath, you're unable to care for the people around you. So when the airlines say, you first and then care for others, it's what God's saying. Free pass. Enter into the rest of which I've had for you. And that's the final thing I want to end here as we wrap, where Jesus is just saying, come to me. This is what it's always about. Just come to me. 
I want to fill you up. I want you to enter into the free pass of rest. I want to lord over you. I want you to be still and know in your stillness that I am the Lord of your life. I want you to hear the divine words from Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and you'll learn to live lightly. As Anne Lamott said, almost everything works better when you unplug it for a while, including you. So I'm curious, like where will you rest this week? How will you be people of Sabbath? What kind of conversations will this elicit for you? Where will this stir you up? And some of you will just hear this and move on, and that's okay. It might feel impossible right now, but there is a free pass to live undistracted, to work from a place of being rested. I have been alone this week as a single dad, as my wife's been gone. I have so much empathy and compassion for the single parents among us. I can't, I don't know how you've done it. You're really amazing. It's been hard to do it for eight days. And everything in me wants to get all my things done tonight or later after the kids go to bed. But I know that God's saying, practice what you preach. Just take today off and get going, and you can work really hard starting tomorrow. I'm going to close with a story. But before I do that, I'm going to invite the band back. I'm going to invite our prayer team up here for prayer. And... um, Paul writes in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is this invitation, friends, to come to me. And so we're going we're gonna to worship. The prayer team would love to pray with you. If there's a specific request that you just need to lift up to the Lord or a specific burden or this teaching feels hard or impossible or you're dealing with a health issue, we would love to pray with you. And we're also going to make space to just come to the Lord as my friend Kiana is already beautifully modeling. The Father is for you. The Father wants to be with you. And like so 1970 community church, like, making the altar open because we need it again, friends. And so some of you aren't comfortable with that, and so just stay where you're seated. That's fine. But if you this morning want to come and pray with somebody or just want to come and lay your heart open before the Lord, God says, in your rest, you'll find redemption. In your ceasing, you'll find your peace. Do not be anxious for anything, but come to me. I want to not just be your Savior, I want to be your Lord. Be still, and in your stillness, know that I'm God. There's a free pass for that. I'll tell you um, one last story, and I know I'm over time, but I think this story is important. There was a time, I'm convinced as a father that um, I've missed so much miss so much and a lot of times even for the sake of building the church sometimes we we can set out to change the world and we can miss those closest to us and there's a time when my um, son was uh, 
in swim lessons at the YMCA right up the road. And there's that workout area above the pool area. So some of the parents were gathered right around, like hovering helicopter style. Not me. I'm like, you good? Swim lessons, hand them off to the instructor, and boom, I'm multitasking. I'm upstairs, like getting my stepmaster on. You know, this doesn't take care of itself. Like, you got to work for this, right? (laughs) And I've got my phone. I've got my emails. Got my text messages. Got a lot to do. So I'm working out. And I think it took my phone dying actually before I finally looked down in the pool. And what I saw broke my heart. (laughs) Because every minute or two, as I was working out and so distracted, my son was looking up at me. He wanted to know, do you see me? Doing my strokes, Dad. I'm working really hard down here. I had missed it. I missed it. Missed it. It took my phone dying for me to just be present for a moment. So I just, all right, Lord, when we miss it, it's not a word of shame. It's a word of invitation. Like, Lord, help me lean in now. And so I'm like just staring at him like, I'm not going to take my eyes off you, kid. The other kid's like, who's the creepy guy up on the Stairmaster? And then it was, yeah, every 30 seconds, every 60 seconds, he wanted to know that somebody saw him. And if I can flip that illustration for you, you belong to a father who never takes his eyes off you. He never takes his eyes off you. He's never distracted. He's never too busy. He's never wishing he was somebody else, that you were somebody else. Free pass. So we're out here sometimes trying to change the world, and the Lord's like, let me change your world. Just stop and be with me. I miss you. I love you. So as we sing and we worship, if you feel stirred to come and pray with our prayer team, they would actually cherish the chance to pray with you. And if you want to kneel and pray and just come unto the Father and pray and lift a word, maybe it's an invitation. God, I want to spend time with you. Maybe it's a word of repentance. God, I've missed a lot. Forgive me. This space is open or stay where you're at. Let's pray now, and then we'll enter into our response time. Jesus, thank you so much for your rest. Thank you that as we are still, you keep working for us. You keep watching over us. That you never take your eyes off us. That you're the good, good Father. Or teach us how to rest more. Teach us to be people of Sabbath experience. And in that stopping and ceasing and resting, Lord, would you help us attune both to you and to others. Lord, we work from rest, not for it. Teach us how Sabbath can work for us. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us as we worship?